0: this episode originally aired in 2021. You're listening to Here and Queer, a five-part documentary series created by Umbrella on Liffy Sound FM about what it's like to come to Ireland as an LGBTQ adult. I'm your host, Keane Sullivan. This is episode four. On this episode, I speak to Marisha Pahovic about what it was like living a dual life between Ireland and Poland growing up, the experience of being a queer foreigner in a rural school in Ireland, and they break down the current situation in Poland with regards to LGBTQ issues, because you may have seen on the news, things are not good at the moment. So I think it's time to pass you over to Marisha. Marisha Pachowicz, thank you for joining me today. Do you want to just kick off by explaining to the listener sort of where you're from, your pronouns, what you work as, that sort of stuff?
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, so my name is Marisha. I use they, them pronouns. I'm from Poland originally, but I've been in Ireland since the age of six. Um, I just finished college. I was studying maths and psychology at Trinity and I worked up until like two days ago as a face-to-face fundraiser but just with the lockdown and stuff that's been called
0: off. Okay so you said you said you're originally from Poland let's talk about there. Since So once you came here did you ever go back or have you kind of been here solidly ever since?
1: Yeah so we went back fairly frequently for the first couple of years this was during the Celtic Tiger so my parents had money to fly us over quite frequently so for the first like four or five years I spent every summer living with my grandparents in Poland. I would have, at the beginning of the summer holidays, I would have flown back and stayed there until I had to come back for school. After that, we I kind of drifted apart, away from my grandparents, so I didn't go home as often. But we still tried to visit like once every year or so, or twice if we could.
0: And where in Poland would they have lived?
1: In So I'm from a town called Rybnik, which is in the province of Silesia. And that's where my entire family is from. Um, Rybnik is a small to average town by polish standards it's quite a big by irish standards it has a population <laughs> of about 140,000 so it's pretty okay, big yeah. <laughs> um and silesia is a province in the south of the country bordering with the czech republic so it's it's a pretty i guess distinct region in terms of like our culture and our history we've our own dialect we have a lot of like our own traditional music and dancing and clothes and stuff like that um the dialect shares a lot of similarities with German, just because of our histories and such. Um, the town itself, like I said, it's not the biggest town in the region, but it wouldn't be one of the smallest ones either. Um, yeah, we we lived, when we were still in Poland, in one of those like disgusting concrete housing blocks that are still hanging around from the Soviet Union, and the rest of my family does too.
0: What sort of differences would you notice from from your region to other areas in Poland? Like, would all regions have a dialect or is it weird that yours does?
1: Uh, not all of them do, no. There's, I think, one or two other provinces out of about 16 or 17 that have okay. their own specific dialects. And they're they're very different from Polish. Like, I don't know Silesian fluently, so I'd struggle to understand it. Someone that doesn't know Silesian okay. at all would think that we're speaking a completely different language.
0: Um, oh wow! Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. the The other region is Kashubia. Um, they're like in the mountains, and they they would also have like their dialect, their kind of traditional costumes and music and art and such.
0: Mm. I suppose since you lived this sort of dual life—one in Ireland or one in Poland—what were the sort of biggest differences you noticed between the two livelihoods?
1: One of the biggest differences is definitely the like population density in Ireland, I guess. Mm. And like the lack of like high-rise apartment buildings and such, the fact that most people here live in houses as opposed to apartments, at least like in the in the countryside. I lived in Tipperary growing up, so everyone lived in a house. While in Poland, it would be the opposite. You'd have very few people living in houses and plenty in apartment blocks. Another thing that's always kind of struck me is how hostile Polish people are compared to Irish people. Okay, like we you wouldn't have a stranger smile at you on the street in Poland. And if you did that to, to someone, you'd probably get dirty looks.
2: You okay. wouldn't
1: like say hi to someone you've never met. You wouldn't, you know, have a conversation with someone you, you just ran into. Well that I and is quite common here, especially like growing up in Tipperary, growing up in a smaller town. So that's just I guess that's one of the areas in which I find the cade meal falsha actually comes true. People mm. are quite kind and open and no one seems to be in a rush here as opposed to in Poland where everyone is always busy and kind of running around and doesn't have time to even make eye contact with you, let alone ask you how you're doing. Yeah, it's I think it, that there's a very big cultural difference in that regard where Polish people are, we're, we're, we're kind and warm and open once we know someone, but we're very closed off to strangers. While in Ireland, I think there's more of that openness to talking to people you don't know and kind of trying to help and, you know, befriend anyone, regardless of, of who they are.
0: Mm. Give me a sort of typical day, maybe in a Polish summer in Silesia.
1: My grandmother would probably wake me up at like 7 a.m. in the morning. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> We'd, yeah, she might drag me to mass or might not, just depending on, on how she's feeling.
0: What uh, sort of mass? Like Christian? Catholic. Catholic, Catholic okay, yeah.
1: yeah. Bit of A bit of history, I guess, because of the fact that Poland has so many of those post-Soviet apartment blocks and so many people live in apartments. The vast majority of people don't have gardens. So what the Soviet Union did when they were building all of these is they dedicated pieces of land on the outskirts of towns and kind of cut them up, like cut them up like a grid almost and made them into these little gardens and then handed them out or sold them to people living in apartment blocks.
2: Mm.
1: So instead of having a, a garden like in your backyard, you might have a garden like a 10 kilometer drive away from you. So my grandparents have one of those. So normally on a summer day, we'd spend a lot of time there. I'd help my grandma would be gardening picking fruit things like that we might have a barbecue there in the evening um just kind of spending a lot of time there because the weather is usually lovely and she'd invite like my aunts and uncles and cousins we might have like an inflatable pool or something like that mm. that we'd play around in yeah and then like I said in the evening we might have a barbecue or something and then we'd head home watch some soap operas on tv get angry at the news. <laughs> go to sleep <laughs> and then do it again the following day
0: <laughs> i don't feel it well sold on that i want to go to those little allotments It'd be nice I imagine it's, very it's quite cute. warm right yeah yeah yeah
1: I mean, yeah okay. we're looking at like dude in the 30s in terms of temperature okay. and very okay. little rain
0: Yeah, very dangerous for pale Irish skin, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, When you started to discover your sort of sexual and gender identity that sort of stuff, were you feeling more comfortable expressing that in a setting like Ireland or a setting like Poland?
1: Definitely in Ireland. Um, So I kind of came to terms with the fact that I'm a lesbian when I was about 14. Mm -hmm. And I only came out as non-binary a couple of weeks ago. And that's something that I've been questioning for about a year or so um and I've the, the the situation in Poland in terms of LGBT rights has gotten a lot worse over the last three or four years but it was never mm. good so when I came to terms with my sexuality I was still living in Tipperary so I wasn't out because it was a small town and you know Catholic all girls school and all of that but once I started college and I moved to Dublin and such I could be pretty much fully out to everyone about my sexual orientation and know that for the most part, people will be at the very least tolerant. They might mm. not, you know, be particularly celebratory of it, but I knew that the risk of me being abused or, you know, hate-crimed was much smaller here than it ever would be in Poland. I haven't spent a prolonged period of time in Poland since that. Like the most was about three weeks. I haven't like properly since lived...
0: you were 14 and you yeah. identified as, yeah. as... okay. Yeah.
1: exactly. Um. I've like been in been in Poland for holidays and such, but I haven't lived there. Mm. But I know I've always had this like subconscious fear that like I can't I don't know wear a rainbow bag. I'm I, this might sound like an exaggeration, but like I can't pay with my Rainbow Revolut card because there's been cases of people being rejected at shops when they try to do that. Um, a couple I think about a year ago we were out sailing in like this gorgeous lake district of poland and i saw a boat that had a rainbow flag hanging off it and i pointed it out to my dad and he told me to be careful and not be too loud when i'm saying that earlier this year in january i went to poland with my girlfriend at the time and i I was pretty much constantly conscious of the fact that we have to be careful Mm. even though we were in warsaw which is you know the capital probably the most liberal and the safest region to be lgbt in poland but we were still very careful in terms of holding hands in public spaces mm. and not being too coply. While well, that's not something we ever worried about here, because at most, like we once had like a bunch of 12 year old boys ask us if we're gay. And we were like, well, we're holding hands.
2: <laughs> what do you think we are? <laughs> like,
1: and we never had, fortunately, anything serious happen to us and we never worried about it while that was a big risk in Poland.
0: Okay. Well, we'll we'll get maybe into what things are like over there now a bit later. Um, Yeah. What was that sort of journey of like, when did you start using terms like lesbian and non-binary and how, yeah, how did that feel for you as you're going through it? Um,
1: So I was about 12 when I started to think about the possibility that I might be into girls, Mm. but it was always a thing of, nah, I like guys. I just think girls are really pretty or, I might be bisexual, but with a strong preference for men, even though I was never attracted to men. Um, and then I was very into Tumblr growing up, for better or worse. <laughs> and I basically I met this girl on Tumblr that was very open about being a lesbian. She lived in the states, so that you know was a bit complicated. But we became friends, and I just kind of became completely infatuated with her. Like I just thought she was gorgeous and the best thing to walk on this planet and I just wanted to I it felt at the time like she was the love of my life almost I know I was 14 and it was stupid but that's what it felt like and yeah. that obviously kind of messed up my entire perception of myself as heterosexual and talk to her about it because like I said she was out and very firm and open about her sexuality Um, and I just kind of thought about my past and my childhood and the kind of guys that I thought I had crushes on and stuff and everything kind of clicked into place when I started to consider that I'm actually probably a lesbian like the fact that I never understood or connected with my my classmates and how they would always talk about boys any like celebrity crush that I had on a man was always on someone that was very feminine, like, you know, long hair, long nails, all of that. Um, And like my favorite characters in movies were always the most gorgeous girls. Like I was obsessed with Alice in Twilight,
2: okay, yeah. <laughs> I, like
1: <laughs> that kind of that kind of stuff. And yeah, it all just kind of started to make sense. It took me a while to become OK with calling myself a lesbian for a, about a year or two, I just said that I like girls as opposed to saying I'm a lesbian or I'm attracted to women. Um, and then even after, you know, lesbian became a term that I became more comfortable with, I found I it took years after that again to become comfortable with calling myself a lesbian in Polish.
0: What What is the word in Polish? Lesbika. OK. Similar to
1: and I found that like speaking to other Polish people living in in other countries and specifically like Polish lesbians living in the UK or in Ireland, a lot of them kind of shared that sentiment Okay. that calling themselves a lesbian in Polish felt more personal. So it felt like an extra step of acceptance. And on top of that, it felt like a dirtier word, I guess, than it feels in English, just possibly because of the climate in Poland or, you know, how we were brought up and such. But that was,
0: is is it like a a direct translation there isn't like some other it isn't used in another context that's bad is is the is the boundary towards it just the the polish stigma that is associated to the word
1: i think it's just the polish stigma because it is a direct translation and there it doesn't mean anything else um but i think yeah i think it's just it's the the climate in poland and just you know, talking about things I find in Polish always feels more personal and more serious than talking about them in English. Okay. Just because there's that extra level of disconnect between me and the English language that doesn't exist between me and Polish, if that makes sense.
0: There's an extra, so you're more comfortable in Polish than in English?
1: No, sorry, there's like, I but by disconnect, I mean, there's like another step of separation. Okay. So when I say something in English, it doesn't feel like, as serious I guess or as personal because I don't have as much of a connection like a personal and emotional connection to the language as I do with Polish okay
0: it's less of your identity maybe is, is that what you mean
1: yeah yeah actually yeah that's a good way of okay. saying it yeah
0: that's interesting like I mean I've heard people say when you speak a language you kind of have to alter your personality a bit uh, but I've never actually sort yeah. of heard that you sort of have to come to terms with your sexuality in a different way in a different language I think that's really interesting
1: yeah yeah, it was strange, I found. It was just, I didn't get it. It helped when I found other people that felt mm. the same. None of us got it, and we why that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> but it kind of, it helped to know that it's
0: not just me. That's really interesting. Um, and when you were growing yeah. up, Apart from your know, Alice and Twilight and this this girl on Tumblr, <laughs> which by the way, Tumblr I feel is like a pocket of time on the internet that hasn't really been created created since. Like I, I think you're either in the Tumblr no. phase or you weren't, and there's people who are like 14 yeah. who won't understand it.
1: Oh God, yeah, it's it's <laughs> good riddance to it. Honestly, it was the mess of a community, or collection of communities, really.
0: Um, so, yeah, other than so this girl on Tumblr, Alice and Twilight, were there any sort of queer role models you had, A, in Tipperary and B, in Poland?
1: Unfortunately, no, I didn't have either. I didn't know any LGBT people growing up in Tipperary. And I think that was part of why it took me so long to realise that I'm LGBT, because I... The way I saw it was that like the LGBT community is a very tiny segment of the population, which it obviously isn't. But that's what I thought at the time, just because I didn't know anyone that was open about being LGBT. So my it was almost like my brain was like, well, it's a very tiny segment of the population. So it's highly unlikely that you're part of it. Yeah. Um, and same with Poland. I didn't I still actually to this day don't personally know anyone who lives in Poland and identifies openly as LGBT? I know, of course, of like the activists and the celebrities, but I don't have anyone in my life or anyone in my family. So I I never had that, unfortunately. Um, not until I came to terms with my sexuality and then started like actively looking for those role models, and engaging with LGBT media and such. But I didn't have it before then.
0: Okay, uh, who would be the sort of celebrities? Then?
1: So in Poland, not a celebrity, but an activist that's been kind of spoken about a lot recently is this person called Margo. Um, mm-hmm. She is a non-binary activist and a part of this group called Stop Bzduram which directly translates to like stop the nonsense kind of. They're a, a collective um, of mostly LGBT individuals that are fighting for like comprehensive self-sex education in Poland as well as like are campaigning against this kind of the misinformation that's being spread around about LGBT people and who we are and what we allegedly are striving for Um, and she's been spoken about a lot recently after she was arrested I think about two months ago now because she basically covered this van in paint Um, the van has been driving around Poland several towns in Poland for the last year or two and it's just covered in loads of like hatred and misinformation about lgbt people so it says things like you know stop pedophilia what the lgbt lobby is trying to tell your kids or teach your kids and it's you know comes up with these obscene and ridiculous statements as to how like we're allegedly trying to you know sexualize kids and you know teach them how to masturbate at the age of five and stuff like that so she basically just covered one of those in paint and then ended up being arrested um and then was in detention for what was meant to be two months before her trial which is a measure that is used in poland against really dangerous criminals so against the likes of serial killers sexual offenders not someone that like vandalized a car um (laughs) so then what happened as a result of that when she was being arrested about around like 40 or 50 people protested it kind of tried like they basically tried to stop the police van that was taking her away and as a result of that, the police then went off and arrested 48 more people. And no these way. weren't even necessarily people that were at the protest. They just caught anyone that was walking by. You know, they might have just been watching what was happening. They might have been in mm-hmm. the shop nearby and walking home. They just kind of grabbed 48 random people. And the thing was as well that a lot of them were taken to police stations and weren't given access to a lawyer, weren't allowed to contact their families. The police refused to tell their families where they are. About 10 people were considered missing for something like 48 hours because their families just didn't know what stations they were taken to. Um, Margot's lawyer wasn't told where Margot is for a good week or so as well so obviously just a lot of human rights abuses then when some of these Mm. people were released a lot of the women and a lot of the trans people said that they were assaulted like sexually assaulted and like you know they were forced to like show their genitals and stuff to to prove what gender identity they are um so there was just a lot of talk about that that's
0: proven quotation marks yeah
1: of course yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah, and so there was a lot of talk about that. There was a small protest in Dublin outside of the GPO, kind of in solidarity with them. Um, but anyway, to get back to what I was talking about, yeah. <laughs> Margot is someone that I would like look up to very strongly. Yeah. She's kind of what I would want to be one day. Very vocal, very strong in her activism. She'll do her thing. She'll fight for what she what she believes in doesn't put up with the the nonsense of like well you know you should just kind of give them your second you, you turn your other cheek to them or like don't fall to their level don't curse at them when they're cursing at you she's just kind of like we've tried all of the methods of being kind and well behaved and none of that worked
0: uh, okay well on the topic there poland i asked you to choose a song that sort of reminded you of your youth in poland what did you share with us and why?
1: Um, so it's a song called "Zanim Poyde" by Happy Sad, which is a band, and "Zanim puide means "Before I Go," um, and it's just this really sweet kind of love song, but not in the typical sense of the word. In the sense that it's not like directed at a particular person. It's just kind of about what love is and what love should be, and how it's you know not just your surface level things like giving people flowers and whatnot. It's about being there for someone and showing up for them and supporting them in whatever they may need. And it's just, it's close to my heart. I listened to it a lot growing up. It was on the radio
0: all the time. Yeah, like, was it a big hit?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's talk a bit about what's going on in Poland at the moment before we talk about Ireland again. Um, okay. Do you want to tell me about this this news? Sort of, the government that's in there at the moment, or what they're trying to do with those LGBTQ free zones?
1: Oh God! So that's that starts about four years ago, um, okay. four or five years ago. Essentially, Law and Justice, which is the ruling party that's currently in power, had just was just about to finish their first term in government. And were, the, the elections were coming up and they wanted to be re-elected. And the way they went around getting elected the first time around was they based, they based their entire campaign around fear mongering about migrants and refugees. Um, and that kind of worked, not fully, but it kind of worked. It got them into power. And then when it got around to the second elections, they realized that that's not going to work anymore because, A, we don't have that many refugees and migrants in Poland. So people don't feel that it's something that affects them directly. So it doesn't work. And B, obviously, a lot of Polish people have emigrated. So a lot of them just rightly so don't buy into it. So what they yeah, actually,
0: decide- po- po- the Polish and the Irish are quite similar in that regard. They, they're, they're kind yeah. of like tribes of, of travellers who kind of go and set up everywhere else, right? Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Like, you know, all of us that, you know, emigrated to Ireland or the UK or Germany or have family that did all know what it's like to have those things said about us and that mm. they're just not true. So it just didn't work when law just to tried to do it again. So they decided instead... That their second campaign of getting elected would be about fear mongering about LGBT people. Okay. And that unfortunately worked a lot better. So it started off then, um, it kind of carried on at at a rather low level for about a year. And then about three years ago, things escalated very rapidly. So it started off with politicians saying very hateful things about LGBT people, saying, you know, that we're all pedophiles or were like trying to sexualize kids or destroy traditional Polish families um, and so on and so forth and that kind of carried on and carried on and eventually that as it does kind of legitimized ordinary people doing that and brought to to surface a lot of organizations that exist in Poland that are focused on acting against the rights of LGBT people on as they put it Preserving traditional family values in Poland, which is just another way of saying, you know, being conservative. In particular, uh, this one organization that's very big in Poland is called Ordo Iuris. It's a legal organization, or is it's what they call themselves. It's just a a collection of lawyers, for the most part. Um, But they do very little to do with the law and a lot to do with far right activism and radicalization and such. And one thing that they put forward was this Charter of the Rights of the Family, which is the kind of act, it's it's a local act that's implemented by local governments and city councils and such that, among other things, declares the region to be free from LGBT ideology. So over time, more and more local governments have have been signing those in. At the moment, it's about a third of the country in total.
0: Is that the third of the country in terms of area, in terms of population, in terms of there's 16 regions and three or whatever, a third Um, of those?
1: In terms of area and in terms of like the portion of local governments in Poland, I suppose.
0: Is there like a... a general rule of thumb is in when you go more west it's more likely to be like this or is there, are they scattered all around the place
1: they're mostly scattered all over the place yeah okay um there have been a couple of regions that have rejected them but not many unfortunately and just with time more and more assigning them into place um there's been this narrative that that law and justice and the the polish right in general has tried to spread recently in response to the criticism they've gotten from the eu and from abroad which is that they're not fighting against lgbt people they're fighting against the lgbt ideology okay um so for instance they tend to respond to english language articles that say that you know a third of poland is declared as lgbt free by saying that no it's not lgbt free it's free from lgbt ideology but in reality that's a pretty meaningless distinction because they're fighting against the same thing they're 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 claiming that us fighting for our rights is LGBT ideology but if you're not respecting our rights you're not respecting us as people and regardless of how you frame it what they're doing is affecting real people it's it's affecting young people in our country it's affecting the dozens of kids in Poland that have tried to or taken their lives because of homophobic bullying it's it doesn't matter how they frame it it's at the end of the day they're fighting against us us as a community and as a a community of people so on top of that there's been more and more of just hate speech from our elected officials Um, we have presidential elections in the end of june beginning of july this year and just two or three weeks before he was re-elected our president at the time and now our new president andre duda said that lgbt is not not people but an ideology um and then proceeded to say more of those things recently we had literally a day or two ago a new minister of education has been sworn in okay and this is a man who said that LGBT is LGBT people are not like normal people
2: yeah
1: and crazy. he's yeah and he's been talking loads about like fighting um like liberal ideas in schools whatever that might mean about like protecting the traditional uh polish family in schools he's also said a load of like really sexist things about you know how women belong in the home and not in the workplace and defended corporal punishment for kids and all of that so just a really terrible man and the worst kind of person that you can imagine to 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 be minister of education
0: and how much support does duda and his party have like as a percentage is it more than half or is it like a third or you know how does it break down
1: um, so in terms of the the previous general elections that we had last year, if I remember correctly, it was something like fifty-six or fifty-seven percent oh, wow. for law and okay. justice. And in the presidential elections in the first round, because it ended up being two rounds, Duda got something around forty percent of support. And then in the second round, she got like fifty two or fifty-three.
0: Okay. So it's kind of half half people are buying onto yeah. this party. And probably the ideology as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. And how does it feel for you to see this happening in a country that's very close to you, but you not be there? Do you feel a guilt to not be in it or do you feel relief to not be in it or both?
1: It's a bit of both. I There's a lot of relief, of course, um, seeing what's happening in Poland and knowing that I'm safe from it, knowing that I have friends who accept me, knowing that if you know, if I ever go back to Poland and I need asylum or something, I, I will have people around the world that I can go to. Um, there's a bit of guilt about not being there, but it's less guilt and it's more just this flame of fury and the desire to do something and frustration that I can't. And I've been trying to do as much as I can from Ireland. I've taken part in protests. Um, I was organizing a protest that unfortunately had to be called off because of COVID restrictions. I've like been trying to raise awareness of what's going on. I've spoken at a couple of events and done a few interviews and such. But I always feel frustrated that I can't do more. And it's it's a bit, I guess ironic in the sense that every time something happens in Poland, something, some new homophobic incident or when the arrests with regards to Margot and the protesters were happening, instead of thinking, God, actually, I'm definitely never going to go back or not going back in the foreseeable future. What I it just kind of motivated me to want to go back even more Hmm. because I want to be on the ground and help out and be at all of those protests and stop all of the homophobic vans that are going around Warsaw and help directly, I suppose. So it's, yeah, it's a mix of both. It's a mix of being glad that I'm not in that and that I don't have to experience that firsthand. But it's also a desire to to be there and to help out.
0: Mm. And for the homophobia that's happening over there from the government, do you see a light at the end of the tunnel? Do you see a way out? Or is it kind of too deep in the midst of at the moment that you're just kind of trying to fight for a win?
1: I'm, to be honest, I'm not very hopeful. Okay. I'm quite afraid because what what scared me really was the re election of Law and Justice last year. And then again, the re election of Andre Duda this year. Mm. Because I think. Every time they get reelected and every time more polls come out saying that, you know, their support hasn't dwindled or anything like that, it legitimizes them on what they're doing. And it shows them that people in Poland don't care and that there is a general, at the very least, a lack of concern about what they're doing or more likely support towards what they're doing.
2: Mm.
1: And that means that they're not being given any reason to stop. They've no motivation to stop. And they're going to keep going and they're going to keep doing this because it's working or at the very least, it's not affecting the, the levels of support that they have.
2: Mm.
1: And that's just really scary to me mm. because history repeats itself. And I don't generally agree with Holocaust comparisons because they're misapplied at the best of times. But there are a lot of similarities nowadays between how... lgbt community is being treated in poland and the general ignorance and complacency um towards that and you know the kind of anti-semitic the anti-semitic attitudes and and such that would have happened you know 80 years or 80 or 90 years ago
0: yeah on the lead up to Yeah. yeah yeah
1: and i'm just worried about how far law and justice and the Polish far right will be allowed to take things before people notice that actually, oh shit, this is really bad and mm. we can't we can't continue to let them do this.
0: And uh, what does pride look like <laughs> over there?
1: It's much more a protest than it is a parade. Okay. Um, I don't know if you would have heard last year, I think it was around June or July, uh, there was a pride parade in Białystok, which is one of the most most conservative and right-wing towns in Poland. And it turned into just basically a massive riot. There was a gigantic counter protest. There were loads of, you know, loads of pepper spray, rubber bullets, all of that being thrown around. Loads of like Polish far right trying to fight and attack, fight with an attack. The people taking part in pride. Loads of police intervention. It was just brutal. I like you couldn't go on the Internet or on Facebook or Twitter for weeks after that without seeing images of it. Um in another town a couple were arrested uh because they were found to be bringing explosives to the explosives to the Pride parade Oh cheap <clears throat> Yeah These
0: are counter protesters Yeah yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: exactly and that's fairly common in most pride parades if not all of them in poland would be met with counter protesters of various you know sizes and severities but they're pretty much always there
0: yeah i mean that must be that must be tough there when you see an equivalent in ireland being all happy and joyous and the only complaints people have are that companies are trying to get involved so, you know there's that, that yeah. must feel different
1: it's it's always a bit strange engaging in discourse around pride in ireland like the the whole corporations at Pride thing, obviously being one of the biggest kind of hot topics regarding Pride at the moment. And I completely agree with everyone that thinks that corporations don't belong at Pride and that they're just profiting off the movement and contributing nothing to it. And, you know, it's just kind of a form of marketing. I completely agree with all of that. But there's always a part of me.
0: That's, that like, that, thinks, that's a good problem to have.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because in Poland, when Ben and Jerry's put up billboards against, uh, are, you know, fighting, trying to fight against homophobia around the country, they were boycotted. When um, Durex put out ads with a gay couple, they were boycotted. It's on the one hand, I recognize that corporations don't belong at Pride and I agree. But on the other hand, I almost oh. wish, I, not almost, I wish that Poland was at a level at the moment where Pride was such a, common and accepted and welcome thing that corporations felt they could profit off it because it's a sign at the end of the day it is a sign of progress and it's a sign of societal acceptance and it's something that we don't have at home
0: yeah I can imagine so uh I asked you to choose a song by a queer artist you love so what are we going to listen to
1: yeah I chose Pride by Grace Petrie which is this very cute song about pride not just pride parades but in general about you know LGBT pride and the progress we've made but also how far we still have to go and about you know being there for each other and pulling through it together even if it's hard but sometimes
2: it's like an uphill climb yes sometimes it's like an uphill
0: Okay, so I suppose your your point of view in this is maybe a bit different from some of the other people we've had on this sort of series before. But you kind of grew up here as I don't know yeah. if you dislike to swear or not, but as as a migrant, did you yeah, yeah. feel as such? Did people remind you, or did you just fit in like everyone else?
1: Very much the former. Okay, um, like I said, I lived in the prairie for the first ten years of us living here, so we moved when I was six and I was into Prairie until I finished secondary school and moved out of college at the, at the age of 16. Um, and I was very out of place there and okay. very aware of it. I w- didn't belong at all in school. And that was for a variety of reasons. But the fact that I was Polish didn't help. I was kind of, I guess, the easy target for the the kids in school that needed someone to pick out okay. because I was... First of all, I actually cared about school. <laughs> I like liked studying and such. Second, I wasn't out as lesbian. And for a long time, I didn't know I was a lesbian, but I didn't have any interest in boys whatsoever. So didn't take long for that to develop into people calling me a lesbian in a derogatory way. Mm. Um, and I was Polish. So like I spoke with an accent. I didn't understand a lot of the cultural references that were being made. I... You know just had a completely different upbringing I didn't watch the tv shows that all of my classmates watched I I just didn't have the same kind of background that everyone did so I was very different and very aware of it hmm. um I yeah I my best friend in school for a long time for all of primary school and the first couple of years of secondary school was another Polish girl so naturally we'd speak Polish to each other in the corridors and stuff And we got bullied relentlessly for that because people would tell us, would accuse us of talking about them behind their backs as if we've nothing better to be talking about (laughs) than our classmates. (laughs) Um, I remember at one point I was in German class and one of my classmates gave out to the teacher about me for speaking Polish to my friend, not in the classroom, just in general. And the teacher was like, sure, like, they're speaking English all the time in the classes. Like, what do you expect them to do? If you were living in Germany, you'd be speaking English to your Irish friends as well, not German. And they were like, Oh shit, you're right. Um, But that was just something that seemed to really bother everyone for some reason.
0: And other than you and your, your other Polish friend, were you the only non-Irish people in in your sort of year or group?
1: Uh, No, we had a bunch. There was, there were two other Polish girls in our year. Um, and there were a couple of girls from Moldova, Moldova and a couple of Romanian girls, if I remember correctly. Okay. So there was a bunch of us, I'd say about 11 or 12 in total.
0: But the treatment you got was pretty homogenous for anybody who wasn't Irish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, very
1: much so. I think also me and my my friend made much less of an effort to assimilate than the other people. OK. Um, I think a lot of the other girls kind of tried to be as Irish as possible and tried to pretend that they weren't Polish while I well, my friend didn't care that much either way while I just refused to hide my my nationality and I refused to to lose it I made an active effort to keep up keep up my Polish and keep to date keep up to date on what was happening at home and such Mm. so that just didn't help because I was it was very obvious that I was Polish and I was not ashamed of it and that was that bothered the the others even more what i found quite strange and that continued for years and still kind of does to this day was that whenever i did find an irish person that was wasn't xenophobic and didn't actively discriminate against me and was willing to talk to me about my experiences of xenophobia the response so frequently was something along the lines of i don't understand why people discriminate against polish people you guys are such hard and good workers (laughs) and it's like (laughs) cool so you only want us around insofar as we can give you cheap and and easy to exploit
0: labor Labor,
1: grand i see how it is
0: (laughs) that's mad so yeah uh, i mean looking back like is there I suppose for going through your experience, like, what would you say to somebody who was go- who might be going through that experience now? Like, do you have any advice you could give to that younger self?
2: I think the
1: main thing I tell myself is, and this is a cliche, but it was true in my case. They're cliches just, for a
0: reason, right? Because they're yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it, that it gets better because yeah. it it did. It got a lot better for me when I moved out and when I moved to Dublin. I really found my community here, and I found my my group of friends and my group my bunch of people who don't care about what I am or how I identify or where I'm from don't scoff at me when I introduce myself as Marisha and not Maria and who like make an effort to pick up a few Polish words here and there and yeah it's just it gets better it got better for me and
0: would you have resented kind of being put in this position you know growing up around when you're being treated like this when you could be in Poland you know and not be the, the 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 outsider
1: Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I I did spend a long time wishing that we hadn't moved out. And I was never like mad at my parents about it or anything because I understood, you know, we we left Poland because my mom lost her job and my dad wasn't earning enough to keep us going. We were just one of many families that emigrated. So I got the need for it. But I often wished that I could have just been home and been maybe not a normal kid, but more normal than I was here.
0: Sure, and I mean, I feel now as adults, we can see that maybe the grass wasn't greener on the other side, but it certainly looks greener when you're in the middle of it. And you, can, I can certainly understand yeah. that desire of being like, "Oh, I wish I didn't have to go through this." That would obviously be a much easier life. But now, in hindsight, would it really? We don't know. Yeah. Uh, when you came to Dublin, and when you'd come out as a, as a as a lesbian, or well, this was non-binary is recent enough, but as you, when you came out as a lesbian, how did you find integrating into the queer community? Did you find yourself similar as an outsider or was that a lot different
1: it was a lot different um okay. i think i think especially studying in trinity where like head people are a minority it was quite easy almost um like when i moved to dublin i wanted to be out so it was difficult at first but i purposely Came out to people just casually in conversation as soon as it came up because that was what I wanted to be. I didn't want to have to sit every single person I ever meet down and tell them. I wanted it to be something that was just known about me. And it became that very quickly, like within a couple of months of college starting. And like I got involved with QSOC in Trinity, which is the LGBT society. It was the first society I joined in first year. I was involved in a lot of other societies, but just even without actively looking at for LGBT friends I made them because there were so many people that were open about their sexuality or gender identity gender identity sorry and that like were just there and so I kind of very naturally made a big circle of friends who are primarily LGBT and I wouldn't say I'm like very well known within like the LGBT community in Dublin or anything like that but I have a lot of really close LGBT friends and that's something that I've always wanted to have growing up
0: remind, me, remind me what you did Trinity again maths and psychology psychology yeah uh I mean I, I went to Trinity myself I did engineering I nice. kind of like a tongue-in-cheek joke was like you know everyone in the arts block is gay so I thought mm-hmm. it interesting that you were doing a more science and maths and that you still mm-hmm. feel that more there was a a, a bigger majority of non-cis people because over yeah. over in the science block it was few and far between.
1: <laughs> yeah, in maths it was the proportion was much smaller but there was still a fairly big group like uh, floated towards each other so yeah. by the end of third year there was just the corner in every maths lecture where like the 15 of us just sat <laughs> together everyone else in like grey clothes their normal haircut and then there's us dressed in rainbows <laughs> and with, like pink hair so we stood out
2: yeah
1: but we like we existed and i think that's also changing over time i even just over the years that i've i've been in Trinity and The new year groups that have come in of new math students and such, I think that's definitely increasing. And I would agree that, like, in the arts block, there's a lot more of us and at the very least more people who are out as LGBT. Hmm. But in general, there's a very large, at least I found a very large LGBT community on campus.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I never actually joined QSOC when I was in Trinity, I suppose. I probably, in hindsight, I definitely should have. I, uh, I think I, my course is too busy and I was like, no time for any of the societies. Yeah. Um, but people who joined it seemed to have, have really, really positive things to say about it. Um, so yeah. it seems like going to college as a queer person, it's definitely something that is recommended to find your tribe
1: yeah yeah I,
0: I do wonder about sock whether they'll need a rebrand now that QAnon is a thing or whether people will get the wrong idea of what QSOC oh, actually is
2: oh god I haven't <laughs> thought about that
0: but that's a very valid point <laughs> Oh god. Um, <laughs> do you see your future here or is there somewhere else in the world calling I don't know okay
1: um is the short answer to that I think And I think this is the sentiment that's shared among a lot of people that, especially migrants in general, but especially migrants that grew up in a different country Mm -hmm. to where they're from is that it's really hard to find home Okay. because on the one hand, I would call Poland home a lot of the time, but it's not fully in the sense that I don't didn't grow up there. So I don't get the cultural references. I don't get the memes. I don't know the music that's popular at the moment, I don't have, you know, the equivalent of the, the shared trauma that is the leaving search.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I don't have a lot of that. But on the other hand, Ireland isn't fully home either in the sense yeah. that while I might get the recent culture and the current politics and such, I well, first of all, I don't understand a lot of the historical context. Even if I know about it, I don't understand what it's like to live in it and grow up in it and have, like, a personal connection with it. And on top of that, I'm just not from here. And I never fully feel like I belong here. It always felt and it still feels like a temporary place where I'm living
2: Mm.
1: until something different comes along. So I don't know. I think I'm going to move out to start a master's next year, hopefully. I don't know where to, but I know it it won't be in Ireland. But I don't think that that will be the end of my time in this country. I think it's very likely that I'll come back. Maybe not permanently, maybe for a couple of years, or maybe it will be forever um but at the moment i don't know
0: are are your parents still here
1: um my mom isn't my mom moved back to poland about a month ago now okay my dad is still here he lives in the prairie as well but he's planning on moving back in about a year as well and my brother moved back about four or five years ago now
0: okay i mean i imagine that that has a big part to play with with feeling you're finished here or whatever. If, if the people who brought you yeah. here are now finished here as well, I imagine that, that aids that process along.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Before we hear your last song, if you had any sort of wise words to impart on, on Irish people, and the Irish government and what we could do to make people who come from other countries feel more welcome like what would your advice be
1: well the first thing that comes to mind is don't tell eastern Europeans that you only like them here because they offer <laughs> cheap labor it's generally avoidable <laughs> for anyone um, really yeah. <laughs>
0: that's just, <the> <laughs>
1: just don't do that you're trying but you're very confused <laughs> um, oh well, that's a good question I think I think Ireland is doing a lot right in terms of, I think there is more and more over time a culture against being prejudiced. And there's an understanding that you're not supposed to to be bigoted and you're not supposed to tell migrants to go back to their country or, you know, use throw slurs at LGBT people or whatever. But I think a lot of that is very surface level in the sense that people know they shouldn't say certain things or act in a certain way. But that doesn't mean that they don't want to. And it's one thing how people act to you, to your face. And another thing, what they're going to say to you back home or how they're going to act when you're not around or sorry, what they're going to say about you, not to you. I mean, I think there's a lot that needs to change in terms of the underlying mindset, I guess, behind trying to to be, so to speak, politically correct. I think the focus is much more on being politically correct and much less on being a decent person.
0: I I feel, sorry, I feel, you know, a good example of that is that, you know, I'm not racist, but as in like, they know racism is bad and I don't want to be racist, but I'm going to say this thing that I probably know is racist, but I'm going to try pass it off as it's not racist by this disclaimer. And, exactly yeah, what you're saying there is, is focus on well actually do I need to say this thing that I want to say is it am I being prejudiced like inspect that rather than the disclaimer I think is what you is, yeah. is an example of what you're saying there
1: yeah absolutely and I, I do think that's changing I think with like you know our generation I'm, we're seeing a lot of change in that but I think the the older generations need to work a bit more on that I suppose but I I don't know. To be honest, I don't have any specific advice because I think Ireland is going in a very good direction in that regard. There's a lot that needs to be changed, you know, with like the citizenship rights, what how expensive it is to get citizenship. Uh, like I got citizenship like about a year or two ago and it cost me like about twelve hundred between applying and getting my passport. It's ridiculous. Um of course just change the entire direct provision system but that's a whole nother conversation yeah. for another day.
0: <laughs> day cool okay well first of all thank you for chatting today what are we going to list as your final song which is a song that sort of is fond memories of Ireland
1: um dreams by the cranberries oh, it's classic. just a song yeah I, I I realized as I was choosing it that I'm a parody of myself but <laughs> it's just a song that kind of played in the background of a lot of positive memories that I have of, of Ireland and I associate it with a lot of people and it just makes me really happy to listen.
0: Thank you to Marisha for coming on the show. It was so good of them to share so eloquently the difficulties of their past and sort of break down a really sort of complicated situation in Poland to make it much more easier to understand. They describe things with such precision but also that sort of inextinguishable passion and love for queer people and the queer cause Um, so I'm really looking forward to see what comes from them next. Okay next week it's the fifth and final part of this series and we are heading over to Mauritius. hear a story from a person who's currently in ireland living in direct provision who has a story to tell so i'll see you back here nine to ten on wednesday on lippy sound have a nice week